0: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this two hundred and seventy second episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost Tours for the theater of the Mind. I am your host Diane. On this episode, I'm going to be joined by listener Angie Wallingford, who also happens to be a ghost tour guide in Cincinnati, Ohio, and she suggested the location that we are going to be talking about, the Cincinnati Music Hall. Apparently, this location has a whole lot of spooks in it, so I'm looking forward to hearing from Angie about this location. As you heard there with the intro, History Goes Bump is now a proud member of the Dark Myths Collective. You can find out more about the other podcasts that are a part of the collective at darkmyths.org. All of them have very similar theming as History Goes Bump. Creepy, weird, unusual, that kind of thing. So right up your alley. So I encourage you to check out more at darkmyths.org. We have some people to welcome into the Spooktacular crew. Brianne, Sarah with an H, Kevin, Taylor, Chris with a CH, Sarah with no H, Carolyn with a C, Victoria, Andrea, Rosie with an IE, Chantel, Joseph, Paula, and Annabelle. Welcome everybody. And now this moment, naughty. For centuries, different cultures have reported legends about various weird items raining from the skies. These phenomenon range from insects, to frogs, to snails, to birds, to stones, and even blood. For Mount Ash in Wales, in 1859, it was a bunch of stickleback fish that fell from the sky. Many theories try to explain these various things falling from the sky. One is that a plane dropped some cargo. Clearly, this was not the case in 1859. Another more plausible theory is that a waterspout passes over a lake and picks up a bunch of fish and deposits them elsewhere, but when it came to these stickleback fish falling from the sky, there really was no explanation. Sticklebacks are not schooling fish, so a large body of water would need to be passed over and sucked up over a long period of time to grab a large number of these fish. And obviously, lakes have more than just one variety of fish, so how is it that just this group was pulled up? The stickle packs also fell over an area measuring 240 by 36 feet in two separate intervals. There was a 10-minute gap between these quote-unquote showers. The fish were miraculously alive and unharmed by the whole event. I imagine this made for a big fish fry all because of an event that certainly is odd. And now, This Month in History. In the month of August, on the 3rd in 1900, war correspondent Ernie Pyle was born in Dana, Indiana. He signed up to serve in the Navy during World War I at the age of 17. He went to Indiana University for a time after the war and then got into the newspaper business. He traveled the country as a correspondent for the Scripps-Howard newspaper chain. His columns detailed the lives of ordinary people in rural America. Pyle continued his sympathetic insights as a war correspondent during World War II, and he received a Pulitzer Prize for his reports of the bombing of London in 1940. He traveled to Italy and France and Africa and Sicily. In 1945, he was reporting on the war from Okinawa, Japan. Pyle was traveling by jeep with Lieutenant Colonel Joseph B. Coolidge when they encountered enemy fire. The two men jumped into a ditch for cover and Coolidge said, A little later, Pyle and I raised up to look around. Another burst hit the road over our heads. I looked at Ernie and saw he'd been hit. The bullet had hit Pyle in his left temple just under his helmet and it killed him instantly. A monument was erected over the spot where he died. He was very well known around the country, and he was mourned by the home front and the soldiers alike. Eleanor Roosevelt quoted Pyle's war dispatches in her newspaper column, My Day, and she paid tribute to him by writing, I shall never forget how much I enjoyed meeting him here in the White House last year, and how much I admired this frail and modest man, who would endure hardships because he loved his job and our men. One of the most recognizable buildings in Cincinnati is its music hall. This location dates back to the late 1800s, but the site itself has been home to other uses that include an asylum, an orphanage, a potter's field, and there were other nearby cemeteries from which the bodies were not removed, all of which add their own reasons for paranormal experiences. Top this off with a world-class music venue and theater, and there's no doubt that this music hall just might really live up to its most haunted reputation. Join me and listener and tour guide Angie Wallingford as we share the history and hauntings of Cincinnati's Music Hall. Well, guys, I am so excited to be joined by Angela Wallingford. She has suggested a great location in Cincinnati, the Music Hall, but also she hosts ghost tours there. So I am really excited to pick her brain about that. How are you doing, Angie?
1: I'm doing pretty good.
0: How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. You know, the first thing we always ask people about when we're interviewing them is how you got into the paranormal to begin with. Obviously, you're listening to the podcast and you're hosting ghost tours, so you must have an interest in it.
1: I'm not really sure. I have always been very interested. When I was a child, I was intrigued with things like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and the Bermuda Triangle. And I was obsessed with that show In Search Of and then later Unsolved Mysteries and just kind of went on from there.
0: Have you had paranormal experiences yourself anywhere?
1: first thing that I guess kind of like opened up my mind that maybe there is something going on because I I had never believed a ghosts at all whatsoever. And uh, not long after I was first married back longer ago than I care to admit, I, we were living in this apartment. I went to bed kind of early and my husband was up late playing video games. And when I got up, he got up the next morning and he tells me this place is haunted. I'm like, whatever, you quit drinking. And he's like, no, seriously, this place was haunted and we had a change jar and he said the change jar just kept picking up and rattling and it bothered me so much that I had to pick it up and hold it to keep it from rattling I'm like whatever that's fine it can be haunted I don't care I just don't want to see it and I don't want it touching me and as soon as I said that I felt a hand on the, my shoulder and you would think it would scare you but it was more like a oh haha you're really funny type thing than a it scared me the type thing
0: what do you think a ghost is
1: there are, you know, several theories on what ghosts are. Ones I kind of like the most are people who just don't leave because they have unfinished business here or they fear judgment on the other side. Uh, you know, if you, you die and you have a young child, you want to make sure that kid is safe or you, know, you have a business you want to watch over. You want to make sure the business does good or you know, maybe just weren't a really good person in life and we actually had a spirit tell us on a, from the um, German tenement we, from using the flashlights. We kind of got out of this one spirit that he was afraid to move on because he was afraid of God.
0: Mm, that's interesting. That was very interesting. Tell us about your tours in Cincinnati.
1: I do the Queen City is Haunted Tour in Cincinnati, Ohio. It takes place in a little town called Over the Rhine. And we just basically go around a few block section. The tour takes about 90 minutes. And we tell stories of grisly deaths and hauntings. And we actually end up in a
0: hotel, haunted hotel at the end. I've never been to Cincinnati, so could you tell us all a little bit about the city?
1: It's a mid-sized city, so it's going to be a lot smaller than like your Chicago's or New York's, but a lot bigger than, oh, I don't know, like Orlando so it's, it's a mid-sized city. It's got a lot of fun stuff to do, a lot of cultural stuff, just a lot of good places to eat, lots of good beer to drink.
0: What are your favorite places to eat?
1: Well, one of my favorites here in Cincinnati is a Cincinnati uh, original. It's called Gold Star Chili. It's kind of got a Greek heritage to it, which is kind of strange since this is a very German town. But Gold Star Chili is one of the best places to eat around here.
0: Cincinnati was founded by Matthias Denman, Colonel Robert Patterson, and Israel Ludlow in 1788. The town was laid out and surveyed by John Filson, and he named it Losaniville. This was an amalgamation of several words, with L for the nearby Licking River, O-S or Os is Latin for mouth, Anti is Greek for opposite, and Ville is French for city. So the original city name meant the city opposite the mouth of the river. Arthur St. Clair was the governor of the Northwest Territory in 1790 and he changed the name of the settlement to Cincinnati in honor of the Society of the Cincinnati. He was the president of this group that took its name from Cincinnatus, who was a Roman general and dictator who saved the city of Rome from destruction. And you know, I love Roman mythology and legends and history, so I just had to go down a rabbit hole. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm down here in the rabbit hole, and I've brought you with me. So I wanted to know more about this Cincinnatus character. In 458 BC, a group of Roman senators came to Cincinnatus on his farm and told him that Rome was in great danger. Since he had earlier routed the Aquarians, they felt he would be best to fight the Sabines that were at Rome's walls. They gave him the power of a dictator, and he was given command of an army that he marched into battle and quickly routed the enemy. He rode through the city in triumph. So I was like, who is this guy that I've never heard of before? And I had no idea that the city of Cincinnati was named for this Roman hero. So pretty cool. The city of Cincinnati was chartered as a town in 1802. And it has been known by many things from Porcopolis because of a thriving hog industry to the Queen of the West to the city of Seven Hills. One of its beautiful national historic landmarks is the Cincinnati Music Hall. The Music Hall is a gorgeous building. I just absolutely love it. What can you tell me about its history?
1: Uh, Well, actually a little bit of the prehistory on that. In uh, 1875, there was a concert going on in their Music Hall at the time. It was Sanger Hall. They were all Germans back then. And this big storm rolled in. And it was a pretty band one in the thunder and lightning. And it had a tin roof. Well, there was a wealthy patron in there at that time and joined the concert. And he was getting a little bit aggravated that they had to stall the concert while this passed on. So he decided that he was going to donate some money. And if the city could raise some more, they would build Music Hall. And they did build it. It was completed in 1878. Now, at that time, expositions were all the rage in the town. So they decided they needed something else for these expositions. So they added a North Wing and a South Wing three years later. And I know 1878 sounds like it's really old, but just kind of put it in perspective, Richard B. Hayes was there, William McKinley, Benjamin Harrison, Theodore Roosevelt. So those were all some uh, pretty popular names that were back there in the day. It held so many different types of things. There was a dance hall there. There There's actually a roller rink there. They've had the big city expositions were there. Whatever was going on at the time, that was there.
0: So a lot of presidents have visited this place.
1: Yeah, it seems like a lot of presidents did visit this place. There was the uh, Grand Army Republic that was stationed next door at Memorial Hall, which is there today. That That one was actually built in 1908. And they would come up there campaigning for people that they wanted to be
0: presidents or campaigning for themselves. The music hall was designed by Samuel Hannaford and built in 1878 and is made up of three buildings. The design is Victorian Gothic architecture and served as Cincinnati's first convention center. The interior is beautiful and is home to Cincinnati Opera, the nation's second oldest opera company, Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, May Festival, and the Cincinnati Ballet. Extensive renovations were done a couple of years ago and the music hall reopened in October 2017
1: my favorite piece of the interior. It's a 1500 pound Venetian chandelier. Each one of the crystals was hand carved and wow. that is in Springer Auditorium. Sounds actually, amazing. It's quite beautiful. Actually, Springer Auditorium, can, which is the main auditorium there, it can seat over 2,500
0: people. That's a big auditorium.
1: It's huge. <laughs> They've recently done a renovation, a multi, multi-million dollar renovation. It took them several years to do it. So I've definitely not been in there since the renovations. I I've looked in the windows, but haven't actually been inside since the renovations were completed last year.
0: There definitely seem to be hauntings here, and the Cincinnati Music Hall made Time Magazine's list of 50 most haunted locations in America.
1: Yeah, haunted places in America, not Ohio, not Cincinnati, but America. And it does definitely earn its reputation. The uh, first reported hauntings actually occurred in uh, 1876. And I know you're thinking, uh, Angela, you said it opened up in 1878, but that actually started occurring during the building of Mm. it. And once they started actually digging into the ground to support the shafts, that's when they started reporting shadow figures walking around the construction site, things appearing to peak around the corners at them from behind pillars and machines and different equipment. So it's got quite a long haunting.
0: How unusual for something that was built that long ago to be having these hauntings while they're doing some new construction like this. It's not refurbishing or reconstruction, it's actual construction and they're having hauntings.
1: Well, actually, there's some pretty good reasons. They believe that those hauntings started at that time. Uh, The south part of Music Hall was actually built on an old potter's field. And that is places, you know, they would bury the unwanted, the unknown, the destitute. In this case, there was a lot of cholera victims that were buried there during the 1832 and 1849 cholera outbreaks in Cincinnati. That one in 1849 killed about 8,000 people. And that was actually 10% of the population of Cincinnati at the time. And they didn't get very good graves. They were basically uh, wrapped up in some burlap or linen and just kind of thrown in. They didn't even get burials. They were just thrown in the grave. And during that 1849 outbreak, it was left as an open pit. They didn't even bother burying them. How sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And that's probably, you know, I guess they were kind of, uh, you know, kind of okay in their graves uh, until they started doing Music Hall. There's a lady in white here, right? Uh, a lady in white right. there is not a lady in white right, but there is are, are at least two ladies in white there is one that appears wearing kind of like a victorian type gown very beautiful uh, she has been known to dance in the ballroom and another thing that she is said to do is if you were on one of the elevators by yourself a lady in white might jump on the elevator with you right at the last second and then you do pleasantries hi how are you and you know, what you realize after a few minutes, she's not here to see the same show you're there to see, and her, her current events aren't quite what yours are. And about the time you're starting to put it together, she just kind of fades away. Now, there's another lady in white, um, not so elegantly dressed. She seems to be wearing a burial shroud, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit dirty, and she has been seen just kind of danced around on the stage in Springer Auditorium.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about the elevator story with the man who was having a heart attack?
1: There's a lot of weird things that go on in that elevator. When they did the renovations for that elevator in 1988, they found over 200 pounds of human remains at at that point. This was just back in 1988. After that, the elevator never worked right. It would kind of go off on its own, just kind of go wherever it wanted to go. People said that they started to hear a bunch of people arguing in that elevator. And, of course, there's nobody around. But there was a man that had a heart attack while watching a show in the early 1990s. And you needed a key to operate this elevator. You just didn't push the button and it went. You actually needed a key. So a man had an, a heart attack. And they called the ambulance. The ambulance came. And when they got him on the stretcher, got him in the elevator to go down to the, to the ambulance, the attendant forgot the key to turn the elevator on. So as she left to get it, the uh, elevator's door shut and came right down to the waiting ambulance. And he did survive that attack. Very cool. He runs he a little bit nice.
0: There's a former lunatic patient here haunting the place. Is that correct?
1: They do believe the place is haunted by a former patient of a lunatic asylum. That This was actually Ohio's first lunatic asylum. It was built across the street where Music Hall is today, where they are parking garages. And that was Ohio's first lunatic asylum. So I'm assuming that mental health care is not so great back in the 1920s 1820s so i'm sure a lot of them didn't get very good care or maybe died under some suspicious causes but there is one that uh, appears he's kind of got long stringy gray hair wears an old dirty hospital gown and doesn't have eyes he's just got blank holes where the Uh. eyes are Uh, yeah Uh, he's been known to possess people up there he has been when they were doing the Across the street from Music Hall is a park, Washington Park, and that's undergone a huge multi-million dollar renovation as well. Workers were known to see this lunatic staring out at them while they were working and just kind of like, you know, dropped their tools and left and never came back, didn't come back to get their tool- tools and told them to send the check to them because they were not coming back on that site to pick that up. Another story I've heard from one of the security guards. The security guards got the best stories there. She saw an old guy sitting down at the end of the hall. She thought you know, maybe he was having a little bit of trouble. And she went over and asked me, are you okay, sir? And he, he didn't respond. So she kind of tapped him on the shoulder. And was like, are you okay, sir? And this figure looked up at her, no eyes staring back at her. And she screamed and ran. So I'm, I'm assuming he disappeared
0: after that. <laughs> I would <laughs> so. run too. And then you have a pretty recent ghost that is within the 2000s here, a former conductor.
1: Eric Kunzel, he was one of our late great conductors. He he died several years ago. He was a firm believer in the supernatural. And he would even tell people, if you don't believe in ghosts, you come hang out with me at three o'clock in the morning at Music Hall. You will meet my friends And you will believe. Now, what's kind of strange with Eric Kunzel is when he was working on a new arrangement, he was known to whistle and whistle and whistle. till he had that arrangement exactly how he wanted it to be. Some of the security guards have told me that they've heard whistling coming from his old office.
0: You told me that an eight-year-old girl from an orphanage haunts this location. Was there an orphanage here before the music hall was there?
1: 1832, that was a uh, pretty rough year. In Cincinnati, there was a flood in, um, of course, Cincinnati is right on the Ohio River. There was a flood in February that killed a lot of people. March and April, there was a measles outbreak, and that killed a lot of people. And then there was a big cholera outbreak. So there were a lot of children who lost their parents. They didn't really, couldn't let these kids run the street. So they built an orphan asylum. And actually, Springer Auditorium, its stage is actually built on that orphan asylum. But there, do believe that there are actually at least two children, possibly more from that orphan asylum time. Uh, one of a little girl, as she appears to be about eight years old, blonde hair, uh, blue dress. And she kind of goes all over the place. She likes to hang out on the northeast corner of Music County. Newsy- Halls grounds, and doing some research on there to, from the tour shop, they did find out that there was a playground there. So that they believe that's why she likes to hang out on that corner. But she has been known to if see a woman standing there on that corner, try to hold her hand or tug on her shirt. A casualty of the renovations was a um, skywalk that connected the garage to Music Hall. She used to play on that quite a bit. And some of the veteran security guards used to think it was really funny to send the new security guards out on the skywalk to get the little girl off of there. And and then she would just kind of disappear. And then the old security guards would watch the security cameras and just laugh at them as they freaked out. She does like to go into the ballerina's dressing room where she sits in front of the mirrors and she does brush her hair. She, um, I've, I've just heard a couple new stories about her. I'm trying to figure out which one's the best one. There was an employee, some of their family had come in from out of town and they were getting you know, the tour of Music Hall and they were getting ready to go into the basement. And he said that he felt a tug on the back of his shirt and as he turned around to look, there was a little girl standing there and told him, don't go into the basement. Bad things happen in there. Hmm and probably one of my favorite ones, uh, and this is from a security guard. Uh, he said he was, and this was during the renovations, he was working third shift overnight by himself, and he had to go to the bathroom. And he said he got in the bathroom, we'll say he just got comfortable. <laughs> and all the, all the lights in, in the bathroom went off. He didn't hear anybody come in. He didn't hear anybody go out. So he hurried up, figured, finished up his business. He goes out in the hall. Every door in the hallway had been opened up. Whoa. He, he looks down at the end of the hall and sees this little girl standing there. And he said he just opened his mouth to kind of yell at her, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. But before any words came out, she disappeared. Mm. So he has not worked an overnight since then and has absolutely <laughs> no desire to do so ever again. But they also believe that there is a spirit of a little boy that also haunts there. He has been seen on the stage just kind of dancing around, playing. And he has been known to kind of mess with the people that work in the box office, which, by the way, the box offices are another casualty of the uh, renovations. Mm-hmm. But it's been said that people, you know, box office people would hear the buzzer going, which meant that there was somebody at the window wanting wanting uh, some assistance, and they would go check and nobody would be there. They'd go off, do their thing again, and it would start buzzing again. They'd go over, and one guy said that when he went back like the third or fourth time to figure out what's going on with this buzzing, he felt something tugging on the back of his shirt, and he turned around and there was a little boy standing there wearing you know, the little knickers and ball cap.
0: Across the street, there's now a beautiful park, which has recently undergone a multi-million dollar renovation, but it was once the site of three separate cemeteries. These graves were supposed to have been moved when the park was built in the 1850s, but as in true poltergeist fashion, the workers just moved the headstones and left the bodies. Before the recent renovations, the neighborhood was impoverished and dangerous. The park was home to many homeless people, people with addiction problems and a hotbed of crime. Many people suffered greatly in that park and lives were lost. So there's definitely a reason for all of these hauntings to be going on here. Have you had any experiences at the music hall?
1: I have not had any of my own experiences there uh, besides that hair standing up on the back of it. Well, in my case, my, my calves will tingle. So just that kind of feeling like, yeah, there is a uh, there, there's a ghost here. We've had some other tour guides that rode around in the haunted elevator and said it just went up and down for like 15 minutes and would not stop. And the person operating the elevator could not get it to stop. And she said she freaked out so much. She ended up just kind of curling up in a ball in the corner till the whole thing stopped.
0: Whoa. (laughs) How about experiences while hosting one of your tours in general?
1: We had one of our guests take a picture of a handicap ramp, which again was a casualty of of the renovations. Took a picture of a handicap ramp and there was a little girl peeking over the handicap ramp looking at us in the blonde hair and nobody saw anything there. But we did definitely see the little girl in the picture. I have had people tell me that they saw the lunatic in this one particular window. And the first time somebody told me that, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you just kind of want to get in on the story there. But I have had several people on the tour tell me they saw that same lunatic in that same window several times. So I'm like, well, maybe she didn't Maybe she did see spirits and just weren't drinking them before she came to the tour. (laughs) There are are lots and lots of spirits there. There have been extra performers seen on stage uh, during performances. There have been people seen sitting watching rehearsals when nobody's supposed to be there. There's one spirit that's apparently quite friendly and he will sit in box nine of the box seats and he waves at people during performances. Uh, Actually, TAPS was there in 2014 and I think it was Amy and Adam actually did see him waving down at them from that box while they were investigating. People have reported going to employees during performances and saying, I think it's so neat that you have people in Victorian clothes attending the performances and they, they haven't hired anybody to dress in Victorian clothes to be there.
0: That is really cool. What days and times do you host your tours? And Angie, can you tell people how they can get more information on going on a tour with you?
1: Currently, I generally do tours on Saturdays at seven and nine o'clock. Of course, Haunted Season is coming up. So we are going to be doing a lot more tours than that. But if you go to American Legacy Tours, you can find our full schedule. We will also be doing the Ultimate Tour coming up in October. Where we actually go into a haunted hotel room that is believed to be haunted by a lady that died in there in the 1970s. She ran a business out of there. And if you do book a tour on a Saturday, tell me you want Angela. Make sure I get on that. I've hosted tours for a uh, couple spookies before. It was so much fun, and I want to keep doing them for the spookies.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to do one.
1: Oh, uh-huh. I cannot wait for you to come see me on one of my tours. And you should even probably stay at the Symphony Hotel. Maybe you can can add some uh, stories to our ghost tour.
0: (laughs) I wrote that down. Symphony Hotel. Angie, I want to thank you so much for suggesting this location. It's our first one in Cincinnati. And uh, just a lot of great ghost stories here. This place really does sound like it's really crazy haunted.
1: Well, I really hope you enjoyed hearing all about uh, Cincinnati Music Hall. It is quite an interesting and beautiful location.
0: You have a great rest of your
1: day. Thank you so much. And you enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you so much for having me on. It has been so much
0: fun. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There seems to be a lot of unexplained activity going on within the buildings of the music hall. Are some of these former patients and children, people who were a part of the theater, still hanging out in the afterlife? Is Cincinnati Music Hall haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, it's a gorgeous building, definitely a place you want to check out someday if you're in Ohio, especially in the Cincinnati area. And I'm looking forward to going on a ghost tour with Angie one day. Again, her tour group is AmericanLegacyTours.com. I do have the link up in the show notes for you to look at if you want to get more information on that. Love to have you check out the website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send me some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. Sherry left a message over on the website. This is a great podcast, awesome blend of history and the supernatural. I've been enjoying listening while I'm at work. It's been very entertaining. I've had several experiences in my life as well. Can't wait for the next podcast. So I asked Sherry, please share some of your experiences with us. We'd love to hear them. If you've had some personal paranormal experiences of your own, I'd love to share those on the Halloween episode that's going to be coming up here in a couple of months. You can just email those to me. If you want to record yourself, you can do that as well. Or get with me and I can set up a time to record with you if you want to tell the story in your own voice. However you want to do it, I'd love to know about your experiences. And again, it does not have to be in a particularly historic haunted location. It could be in a modern home or what have you. Would love to hear from you guys so I can share those for the Halloween show. Flash fiction contest is still ongoing until September 8th. You have until midnight 2018 that day to get your flash fiction in. I've already had several entries. Very excited to share those stories with you guys. And uh, our three winners will be getting medals and different logo gear and have their stories read on the anniversary episode, which is coming up on October 1st. You just send those in to the email at historyghostbump at gmail.com. I have a review from Apple Podcasts to share. The Lab Girl, fun and knowledgeable five stars. I love this podcast because they do amazing things on their shoestring budget. I love all of the amazing content they have to share with us each episode. You can really tell they do a lot of research for each one. Plus, their plucky, quirky, adorable personalities always make the subjects they talk about all the more entertaining. Thank you for doing what you do, ladies. Please don't ever stop or think we aren't out here listening to you. You're the best. Well, thank you, Lab Girl. Greatly appreciate that. And as I tell people, I'll be doing this even in the afterlife, so I'm not going anywhere. And Mort's not going anywhere either. I would like to go to Hollywood. And be in a movie. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this episode. I have been your host, Diane. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery Jennifer Almond. You are going to be getting a fabulous mausoleum and Pac-Man Impact site has raised their pledge so now instead of being in a niche in the wall you are going to get your own chest tomb we already cremated you so um i hope you didn't want to be bodily buried in the chest tomb i don't think mort knows how to put back a body that's been cremated do you mort i have super glue and duct tape sweet dreams